0: If you're someone who has a passion for cut flowers, our environment and wants to make the world more beautiful, you're in the right place. Whether you're growing flowers for pleasure or profit, I'm on a mission to empower flower enthusiasts and professionals to help change the world around them. Whether you're just starting out and needing a helping hand or are looking to scale a substantial flower business, I'm your Cut Flower Woman. Welcome to the cut flower podcast so thank you very much i am delighted more than delighted to welcome amanda power to our podcast today and amanda and i first met when amanda was a student of mine and we've become friends since then so please tell our listeners a little bit about you your background and how today you got to where you are in your cut flower journey All right. Hello.
1: (laughs) Well, I first met you on your your first business course, I think. Living business. Yes. Yeah. So um, I can't remember what year that was. Was it 2020? Can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I started cut flower farming. Well, actually, I decided I was going to be a flower farmer in 2018 and um, put in a bid for a, a half acre field. Um, just because I felt like it. <laughs> I didn't really think it through. I just did. I'd just finished work. I'd, had, I'd got my dream job. I was working in higher education. and always worked in higher education in the back office side of things. And um, for a number of years, I decided that I wanted to change from being an executive officer supporting senior management, and I wanted to get into change management. So I did an MBA part-time, found out that I was pregnant with Alice, my little one. Came back after maternity leave on a change management project, and just realised that it was absolutely crazy, and I couldn't do all of the hours that were needed. Even with, um, I think they call it flexi working now, where I could work from home. They were really good with that. Um, But when 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 there's a business team wanting to change something in a large organisation, you know, quite a few get cold feet, or they have different ideas, and you're trying to communicate with six, ten thousand people on those changes. It's, it's, it's a really big job <laughs> and it takes an awful lot of hours. It just didn't fit. So, um, when the, the idea to cut costs came in, then it made sense that this change management post, after it had done all the, the really tough stuff, that should end too, because hopefully they shouldn't be doing it again. Um, so I left that job, um, and thought, well, I'll just have a little bit of time with Alice, um, who was very, very young then. And just see where it takes me. And on my bucket list was um, an idea of starting a business. Didn't know what business at all. Um, (laughs) And I got really bored within about six weeks. So I just thought, well, mm, what will I do? And I knew quite a few female entrepreneurs around me, all doing lots of different things. Um, And one of them said, why don't you come up to Excel? There was a business show at Excel and just just go and attend some of the talks. And on there, I noticed that there was a chap called Simon Woodruff, who was the founder of Yo Sushi. You know him? Yeah. Um, And I used to do, uh, when I was up in Manchester, um, a large um, speaker series of like different entrepreneurs, different business owners. And I invited him in for a talk and he was amazing. Firstly, he wore Yellow Dot Martins. So, you know, his business suit and Yellow Dot Martins, you know, I was really happy with that. And then he told us the story of um, how Yo Sushi came about and basically how he had to blag it when things were going wrong. And he was like, oh, I've got all these sponsors because he had a Harley Davidson hanging up in his flagship restaurant. Um, and so he said he had this sponsorship from Harley Davidson and a, a pile of other things, but really they just donated things. <laughs> but it kept it kept the, the debtors and things uh, from the doors and um, the bank. Uh, decided to continue funding him. Um, and it carried on like that. So I just thought, right, well, I'll go and see him and see what he's been up to and see what his story is. And anyway, he went all the way back to before that story, the story that I'd heard. And he basically said that he gave himself, it was after a divorce. He didn't have much money. He was living in a, a one bit, a bedsit rental somewhere, and they just sold the house and he'd got half the house money. And he wanted to run a business um, and he gave himself a hundred days to find the business idea. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, okay. I'll give myself a hundred days and I'll just come up with whatever business idea that there is. Um, so a friend came and sat outside on my patio throughout that um, couple of weeks before the summer holidays started. And we went through every idea and she was devil's advocate. So she's going, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but and why, why, why? Um, and yeah, OK, there were probably a couple of Proseccos and there were a few um, extra things. And in the end, almost every idea petered out. And then I read, I just went on onto Amazon and I read a book. I'm a big book lover, as you know. Yes. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> massive. <laughs> and I just came across a book um, from Erin um, in Florette. I thought, well, oh, I'll download that and yeah. I'll, I'll, well, I'll buy it and see what happens. And I read it and I thought, oh, yes, I can do this. Yeah, I, I like allotments. I like mucking about with mud. Knew nothing about flowers. Thought oh, I could do this. And then I, I read Georgie's book and I thought, yeah, OK, I'll go and get um, my partner's an economist. He knows lots of people that can get loads of materials. I'll go and get them to give me the research for flowers in the UK and retail value and everything else, market share, blah, blah, blah. Um, so this was all within about space of about three days. I should have known. I didn't know myself that well then. Um, I should have known that I was going to be in it for the long run by that point. <laughs> because if I was pursuing yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> I, I've, fallen, I've already fallen down the rabbit hole. I then did a, a survey, um, just like a little Facebook survey um, of people in the area to find out whether they did flowers and what they bought them for and how often they bought them and things like that. And nobody in this area, had really considered cut flowers. So that told me two things. A, they knew nothing about cut flowers, and neither did I. And B, they were expecting a price that was a retail price, you know, a, a supermarket price, because I asked them where they bought their, their flowers from, it was mostly from supermarkets, except for big events like birthdays and things like that. Um, it still didn't put me off. I still thought, oh, yeah, I could do this. <laughs> should have known from then. <laughs> that it was going to be an uphill struggle, but I was just—I just saw every opportunity. Um, so I then started trying to look for land, um, and I contacted all the um, allotments, private and the um, uh, the—I want to say municipal. That sounds American, doesn't it? Council council allotments. Yeah. Yes. Um, and yeah. All, all of them s- said they wouldn't waive their um, their clause. You know, the the no commercialisation clause. Yeah even though the loads were sitting empty, you know, there were whole, pl- like multiple plots lined up empty at the time um, and they wouldn't wave them. So I thought, okay, well, what do I do? So I tried to tap into the farms near us, quite a few of them are owned by the MOD. So it, it was just too tricky. Um, yeah. And I looked on Rightmove and there was one half acre up for sale around a residential area within eight miles of me. And I thought, oh, <laughs> and it was closed bids. Um, and I got to know the chap who was selling it. And he was formerly a landowner before it became a property developer. I don't know whether that pushed anything, but anyway, I got it. So and that's where it started. Once I thought, OK, I'm in. Um, there was no there was no going back. I had to make it work. Um, so, yeah, I signed up for Erin's course um, in the December um of 2018 um so started it in january um and at the time she it was pitched as how to grow on half uh, on t- two acres or less which is what she was growing on at the time i
0: mean she's massive now isn't she yeah. um well, well, at the time I she, know she grows she's more intensively and she's obviously expanded her business. i don't know how much growing she does but yeah it's definitely more than two acres yeah
1: yeah she bought um some blueberry a blueberry farm or fields that was next door. Um, and it just became massive, didn't it? So I think she does it all for seed now and, and experiments and she gets funding for the experiments that she runs and the new product lines that she's developing. Very
0: clever.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, from everything that she taught, I knew how to grow. I had the confidence to, to then get on and grow. Um, and to be honest, the field took longer than it did. So I ordered, in 2018, I ordered 5,000 tulips, um, but the field wasn't ready until um, April 2019. And they arrived in the October, so I dug up my back garden. <laughs> yes, and I think Len, because I hadn't really told him anything, he just he just thought it was absolutely nuts. He's like, "What are you doing? I mean, our our garden's not massive. It's it's in a residential area." um um i think the patch that i i dug up was probably 10 meters by five meters it's about half of the the garden (laughs) and i just put them in it was amazing it was like a mini holland yeah Yeah. it's lovely my neighbors loved it and i sold them all (laughs) (laughs) It was really good i was really happy with that so that's sort of where it started, and I, I haven't I haven't looked back. i've I've made loads of mistakes. There's been tons of different journeys, um, changes. i've I've had so many different changes in the business to try and find my feet. Um, but yeah, that, that's where it started. Stay with us. We'll be
0: right back. The small business, do reels get you reeling? Is SEO just a three letters put together? Content planning something you know you should be doing, but just never get around to it. Do join our growth club online. What is it? It's a supportive community. It's all about growing your business. It provides trainings and guest speakers join us every month. Is it time to work on your business and not in it? The link for more information is in the show notes. It's kind of funny, isn't it, how at the end of the day you have to jump in and you have to do it and you own the land, which is, it was, you know, and you've got the right size of land in order to make a decent living. You know, an acre, I read somewhere the other day on an acre you could grow 200,000 stems, which I found unbelievable. So it was in a magazine, 200,000 stems. Now, if you can grow 200,000 stems, I think probably you're turning tulips into dahlias and you're probably doing lots of grasses and lots of filler to get to that 200,000 stems. But do you think 200,000 stems on an acre is about right? Yeah. Yeah, So two hundred thousand. Yeah. So 200,000 so. yeah. so 200, stems on an acre, if you're selling them, obviously if you do weddings and funerals, it's got added value, so you're not selling it per stem and you're not going to florist and all of that. But even if you've got 50p for each of those stems, so let's call it a grass, which might be 30p, or you might have a dahlia that's over a pound, but on average, let's call it 50p. That's a 100,000 pounds in revenue if you sell all of your 200,000 pounds stems. Yeah, that's the that's the challenge.
1: And that's the challenge because, um, you, you know, nature is our, our best and worst friend. She's so unpredictable, isn't she? Um, yeah. So she, she's bound to kill off at least a fifth. <laughs> just to, just to remind you who's in the driving
0: seat. She's definitely in the driving seat definitely 100 percent in the drivers. In if you haven't got wind or rain like you have today um you've got frosts and if that come too early so it's wiped out your whole dahlias, and you still thought you had another three weeks to sell them or you've you know you've got um rabbits or deer or squirrels or mice and then on top of that you've probably got a few pests thrown in there somewhere you know a few slugs might be So if you can overcome all of that, and then I was trying to work it out the other day, I was thinking, okay, germination rates of a good seed might be 80%. So let's say there are 500 seeds in this packet, which there always are in cornflowers, which always amazes me because who needs 500 cornflowers? But 500 cornflowers in one packet and 80% of them germinate. Okay, how many is that? And you put them in the ground, you might lose a few more. How many plants are you going to get? And you you could get really techy into lots of spreadsheets and work it all out but roughly you should be on an acre you should if you sell it all and that you should be earning somewhere between 80 and a hundred pound a year
1: yeah so um i'm on it's it's 0.7 of an acre but i'd say in in terms of what i can actually grow on because i've got a gas relief main which i can't touch it's probably about half an acre um, yeah, which I'm not growing on all, all of it yet. Um, But the, the goal is for me personally to take home 50K from that.
0: Yeah, which I think is doable. Absolutely doable. Um, I've played around with a lot with the maths and looked at it all. And also it's about getting added value, isn't it? It's turning those into bouquets. And I know you do bouquets nationwide and obviously it's turning and there's more value than per stem doing it like that. Or if you do weddings, there's more value per stem. And then if you need to sell at a market, sometimes it's less value, isn't it? But you're moving stock. So it's a bit of a combination of all of them in order to get to that living. But people always say to me, well, what living can I make? And it all boils down to the markets you're going to sell it into and the price you're going to sell it at, number one. And two, what stock can you actually physically grow? And also, are you going to grow high value stock or are you going to grow low value stock? And there's a difference, isn't there? So we yes, all know that dahlias, I mean, dahlias have got to be the most profitable plant.
1: Yeah. And, and um, what I have been doing now is I've been giving myself permission to because I'm very linear. So I have to I have to grant myself permission on things. <laughs> been giving myself uh, permission to experiment because I've got a huge amount of curiosity. Um, you know, what happens if or how could I make this better? Um, so this year I've been um, giving myself a 15 percent um, opportunity to experiment on on. In the field. Um, so I've been pushing the window on certain things and stocks has been a massive success this year. Um, wow. Really, really good. Um, and so I did two things with the stocks. Um, I thought I saw somewhere. Um, I love Instagram, but another flower farmer, probably in the US somewhere, probably completely different uh, grow zone to us. But I thought I'd try it anyway. Um, I thought, right, I'm going to narrow the window from 15 centimetres to 10 centimeter spacings. And I'm going to see what happens if I don't take out the multi so So if I allow three to grow instead of one in that spacing, will they suffer? And they didn't. So that means at at 70p a stock, instead of getting one per 10 centimetres, I'm getting three. Um, So that works really well. Um, I also found that I was giving those um, to wholesale and for my big blousy blooms because it's big blousy. But I'm moving into, um in terms of style, in terms of teaching, into the Cottage Garden whimsy, and they like the much flat, finer ones. So instead of also cutting out the – uh because they come out as doubles or singles, don't they? And there's a little window where yeah. you can see – I can't remember at the moment whether it's the light or dark you take out. But you can identify which one in the stocks is going to be a single um petaled stocks and which one's going to be a double petal stocks. Yeah. Um, but the singles um, actually last really well. Um, so I, I just shifted those to another one meter square and they work really well for the cottage garden blooms where you want lots and lots of dainty spires um, and different textures and things. So it's, it's stuff like that that I really like yeah, it and really excites difference. me. Yeah,
0: it makes yeah. a massive difference the crops that you can successionally sow and get more out of it, you know, your layer of ground to flora, your kind of sweet rocket, you know, all that kind of like big sort of filler stuff that you can, can't have enough of really, can you? I mean, I, yeah. I think I'm going to turn myself into a cosmos farm and I might actually make a lot more money being a cosmos farm. The exactly that. Grow,
1: yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's it. I am stuff. seriously thinking that I'll, I'll, I'll focus on, um, you know, for, for the wholesale retail stuff, Um i I will well basically i'm I'm actually creating um bouquet recipes now um for each part of the season, so it's like a two week window um and it's very much what am I going to work on for the cut and come again and the one hit wonders because the medium yes. producers at the moment I'm just losing my patience with because they sit there too long
0: Whereas I know with the
1: one hit wonder <laughs> I can pull it out from the root, I don't have to clean it, I can stick something else back in as soon as it's out it's yeah. um and then the, the the uh the cut and come again they're there for a long time um the cosmos are great because they've got wonderful foliage so you can use them just for the foliage but then you've got um you know t- towards the back end of the season um you've got all these beautiful flowers haven't you um and you know they, they're they really nice and tall they've got the length so you can choose where you want to cut them um so yeah, yeah. i I'm I'm out of love at the moment with medium producers.
0: <laughs> I'm in love with Cosmos, and this year I'm going to grow every single variety. And I think I found on Chiltern Seeds something like 17 varieties. And I also started this year a perennial one. There's a perennial one called Black Magic. Now, I've never heard of a perennial Cosmos, number one. And number two, it is a tender perennial, so you'll have to take it in in the winter, which is a bit of a pain. But I'm going to see if this works. But four seeds was £7.50. So this better work. And it only had a 50% germination rate. So we've got two plants at the moment, which cost us £7.50 without all the labour of doing them. And they're kind of a bit of an experiment. But I'm thinking if you could get a black magic perennial cosmos, life's got to be worth living. So it's that, isn't it? You've got to keep pushing the boundaries to work out, you know, what wouldn't you you grow next? That's a question. What wouldn't you grow next year that you grew this year? Um. Yeah, there's a couple
1: actually. Um, I can never say it. Rhingium. The, the,
0: the oh, would you not grow that? Okay, no. Rhingium. Okay. Okay. Um, because too it's too small, it's, it's, difficult to grow.
1: If If I'm honest, don't tell anyone oh. else, but I couldn't sell it this year because the fox peed on it. Well, well, it marked it it's not pee is it it's, it's something else and it didn't matter how much I put it in the bath this the stench didn't go um and it's the third year that I've had it it doesn't matter how much I like that thing everything else likes it as well so it's going I've got like five meters so you know that's that's a lot of money so I'm not having it yes
0: <laughs> I'm not so, having wallflowers um, goodness um, why you grow wallflowers I mean the colors are do. not particularly lovely are they no. No, I'm, I'm not and doing the other thing of, I'm not doing is. Oh, well, you're not. Well, my 30,000 arrived yesterday, so I'm definitely doing a mass of tulips. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if I could, if I could but, honestly, at some point, I will allow myself to go and um learn how to do it um through a chilled one so that they're with conditioned. I'll tell bowls. you how to do that. I'll tell you how because to do that. Because I think that's when they would sell, um, and I've got more control over them.
0: Well, you'd have them for February. You'd have them for Valentine's Day, and you could even push it into January. Um, I did a course actually in the U.S. on it, on on chilling and doing it, and you can do it. What you need is big refrigeration. That's the downside because you need, when they arrive, they have been chilled for five or nine weeks, but not enough per variety. So you need to be chilling them again before you get them out to pretend it's spring. So it's really, really effective. I was going to do it this year. And it's a brilliant thing to do, but you need a cooler. Okay. Is it, is it 12 weeks they need or to be chilled or 12,
1: 16?
0: Yes. Depends on the variety. Each is different. I've got a whole list of varieties and we, each is different. But, you, but then you, yeah, so you need access to a chiller. And it's the time of year that you might get a nice little local florist to give you a shelf in her chiller or something like that because coolers are expensive, as in, you know, you, you want to do it on volume. And Putting mm. lots and lots of crates into a chiller, I mean, you're looking at quite many thousands to buy a normal size fridge to do a cooler. So, I didn't do it this year, but it is on, definitely on my list. Um, and so, there are um, definite varieties that work really well doing it.
1: So, that I think that could really work, work really well because at the moment, with my, my tulips, um, I've always had. I don't have a cooler because they're just too expensive, aren't they? <laughs> but I do have um, yeah. very kind support from other businesses that give me access to um, allow to chill mine um, for up to a week at a time. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing. So that wouldn't be uh, the question, actually. No. Because it would be a small no. amount storage
0: space. It'll all be boxed up, wouldn't it? Maybe. I don't know, unless it's crates. It's crates. crates. Okay. Crate and but you're growing a lot per crate. It's crated. And, you're, you you mm-hmm. know, you could do 10 crates. if You know, to make it worthwhile, you're going to have to be doing 10 to 20 crates, probably, because you're going to have yeah. to buy the bulbs in from Holland, and they're going to be pre-chilled, and you kind of have to order them. So it's something I definitely want to do, but this year it was just too much. Um, and, yeah, to have – I mean, you can even bring them forward as, as tulips at Christmas. So – You know, flower farmers in the UK can now get a 12-month cycle if they start to do this, because to be honest, you've got Christmas, haven't you, with your berries and your conifers and all of that, And and then you're moving into January with tulips, and January, February, March could be tulips, and then you could carry on with your outdoor tulips in April, May, and then you've got your perennials and your annuals, and you could almost do 12 months of the year, and that becomes much more exciting
1: that's it that's the the biggest challenge really with with flower farming is is um making it viable you know you're putting all of that time in whether it's december or whether it's january february march you know every month of the year you're in there and you're working it um so to have nothing for six months of it or four months five months of it is it's just not
0: good enough (laughs) that's what i tell myself all the time no, it's not. You, yeah, It's almost like being a deck chair salesman on Weymouth Beach, isn't it? They've got those yeah. six weeks of the summer and a bit fringy either side. And then the rest of the year, they're nowhere to be seen. And that's a bit like a flower farmer. But I don't think it has to be like that because we will kick off in middle of March with some early tulips. And then we'll go probably to December. So but January and February are the bleakest months in the entire world. And if we could have tulips in January, February, and they were British grown, that would be pretty amazing. Um, so I know how to do it. I've been taught how to do it, and I know what to do. I just haven't been brave enough to take the jump because I think you've got to do it on volume.
1: Oh, maybe we should collaborate then.
0: Oh, we could do mm. some collaboration here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that right. That, that, that's that's you signed up to that one. Then we're going to collaborate on that. bit short volume there, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> what markets do you sell into i know you've done lots of things and you've tried lots of things and some things you don't do anymore and some things you do so what really works for you
1: um so i think when i initially decided to do it it was always with the idea that i wanted to to do uh mail order so it's always going to be national delivery um I don't know. I just had it in my head that I was going to have this warehouse somewhere. I was going to pick all these flowers and I was going to pack them up and ship them out. And I, I I even sort of got a business unit and everything. (laughs) Um, it was, it was incredible, but, um, yeah, it, it, I still do it. Um, and it's, it's still my most successful and it's the biggest joy that I get because I get to make these amazing bouquets and I can make them really quickly now. Um, but I love the idea of walking through, um, the flower field and picking the flowers for a particular week um knowing exactly um who to pick them for because everything's on my phone there's no it's all done online um it's all sort of done through a shop online shop and then it just all feeds through my phone i know the addresses i know how many i'm picking for um and they can get printed off they get conditioned basically as they're arranged and they're shipped but it took me about um four months to to really get the the shipping right and the packaging right, because I got it all custom made and how to transport in water because I wanted to be eco friendly as possible. So it's a massive learning curve. And I'm going to I'm going to share that information one day because I think there's lots of people that try it and then say it doesn't work. um, And actually they can they can sit in their boxes for four days um, quite comfortably if they get stuck somewhere, obviously, um, and not be out, lose water um so it's it's really interesting but you know people you know the the boxes tip or whatever um and the water comes out and there's there's techniques that i've learned that stop that um so that's kind of handy yeah so i still do the the mail order national delivery i did try local delivery um but it takes up so much of my time and And i wasn't getting enough to hire somebody to do it um so the volume issue was didn't work there Um, And when I did your business course, I finally plucked up the courage to go um, to some shops and some garden centres and and local farm shops um, and ask them if they'd sell my flowers. And I remember the first time I did that, I went to a garden centre and I sat outside the garden centre for an hour and a half with my bucket going, can I ask? You can remember it. <laughs> go in, Amanda, go <laughs> oh in. Oh, um, And for as many no's as I got, I got some yeses. So it's kind of quite nice that, you know, you might get three no's and then somebody else just comes in and goes, oh, my God, they're amazing. Yes, what's the deal? What's the offer? So you have to be ready for all of those. Um, but that works so much better because people can order, even if they want to do a big bouquet order, and they just need to go to their local collection point. So as well as like the market bunches, um, they can get pick up their big bouquets from there as well. <clears throat> what else? Um, I did markets, market stalls. That was my first yep. year. Um, and that yep. was amazing. Sorry. Walter. I
0: love it. <laughs> Those markets. I love it. <clears throat> I mean, it's come late to our business model, but I do love it.
1: Oh, the, the, it's, it's the direct interaction. Absolutely love it. Um, so I, I did mine up in Ali Pali, um, because, uh, Len had a flat up there my partner husband now, um, and so I always had a, uh, an underground car park to keep things cool. So it was just easier if I did it at Ali Pali and there's quite a high footfall there and lots of local schools. Um, and it was just it was lovely really really nice that was my first year and i was probably growing i wasn't growing a huge amount then just because i only took it on in april um for the field i think i was growing on 313 meter strips and and i was buying in because i didn't have enough um british flowers um but also my own and i think it, from those 313 meter strips i think i i took home as a wage, probably £10,000. So I was really happy with that in my first year. Um, yeah. And now I've got like 40, <laughs> 40 strips and <laughs> I've still got more, more to do. Um, but it's sort of getting there. So yeah, I started off with markets. The feedback is amazing. Just understanding the customers and getting to know them. I learned how to really make myself competitive. I wasn't the only um, flower farm, a florist, flower farmer selling there either. Um so I really had to sort of dif- differentiate myself and get the pricing right. Um that's the hardest thing isn't it getting the pricing. Um yeah. well actually it's not hard 100%. because I did all the numbers, ran the numbers, you know there's lots of information on there. I knew the answer. I just didn't want to ask it. <laughs> yeah. so actually it was really <laughs> simple. What I had to do is is just accept it, you know that that's that's the price and that's what it is. And when that's I did Yeah. When I did that, that's that's it. That's the price, and that's what people will pay. Now, what I did learn, yeah. um, and it's one of those things of what would you pass on to other flower farmers is: do your numbers, look at what it is you need to earn and what your overheads are, crunch them numbers in terms of what you can produce and how you're going to provide it, and the price is the price. Um, otherwise, you're going to be selling to a market that when you up the price and you make that giant leap, isn't the market that you had and you're going to have to start again.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, With your customer base.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I've had several different customer bases.
0: Let's put it that way. So we're going to leave it there for today and it's like a cliffhanger. You have to come from session two next week. There's so much to talk about, about starting a flower farm. We thought we'd split this podcast into two so you get the most value out of it. So we'll look forward to next week. See you then. I look forward to next week's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review on your podcast app. We do have some wonderful free resources on our website at thecutflowercollective.co.uk. We also have two free Facebook communities, which we'd love you to join. For farmers or those who want to be flower farmers, we have Cut Flower Farming, Growth and Profit in Your Business. And our other free Facebook group is Learn with the Cut Flower Collective for those starting out on their flower journey. All of the links are below. I look forward to getting to know you all.